My name is Ricky. I'm honored to be the lead pastor. And if you're a guest with us today, welcome to Fort Caroline. And uh, we love helping people reach higher for the best life God has for them. And it's our hope that we can help you today. Just be encouraged in the journey that you are on. And if we can be a, of help to you in any way, don't hesitate to ever let us know that. Welcome to Fort Caroline. And I also want you to know that we're in a series of messages. If you're new to our church, uh, we've been looking at the topic of heaven and we've been calling this series called As It Is in Heaven. And you know, whenever we start talking about heaven, religious people will sometimes ask the question, do all roads lead to heaven? In other words, don't all religions get you to heaven? It really doesn't matter which one you are a part of or what your religious beliefs are, as long as you're sincere uh, want whatever religion you're a part of get you to heaven? And I know that's a good question because we're concerned about life, but also the afterlife. And if we believe there's a heaven, we want to go there when we die. We want to be with God and we want to be in his presence. But that's a, that's a loaded question. Now, sometimes whenever we are thinking about this question in our modern pluralistic society, there are people who will say, absolutely, all roads lead to heaven. I remember reading an article from Newsweek magazine back in 2009. Uh, the author was Lisa Miller, and she titled her article, We Are All Hindus Now. And among other things, she wrote in her, art, her article, the Rig Veda, the most ancient Hindu scripture, says this, truth is one, but the sages speak of it by many names. And then she went on to say, a Hindu believes there are many paths to God. Jesus is one way, the Quran is another, yoga practice is a third, none is better than any other, all are equal. And so that's why she said we're all Hindus now because we all have come to the realization that there's just one truth and all roads lead to heaven. Now when people, conservative Christians, who have believed for 2,000 plus years that all roads do not lead to heaven, that Jesus Christ is the way to heaven. Whenever they say that, there's pushback from our pluralistic society that wants to say all religions are equally valid. In fact, none other than American Orthodox Jewish rabbi, Shmuley Botia, he wrote, I am absolutely against any religion that says that one faith is superior to another. I don't see how that is anything different than spiritual racism. It's a way of saying that we are closer to God than you, and that's what leads to hatred, he says. By the way, I agree with him. A lot of hatred has been perpetrated in the name of religion. But I disagree with him when he says that all religions must be viewed as equally valid, that one can't be... Uh, able to claim exclusive truth because that alone is not orthodox Christianity. And I, and I think what happens is a lot of people are saying, well, the reason we have to believe all roads lead to heaven is because we're a pluralistic society and there are people all around the world who have different views and different religions and there's a lot of good in a lot of those other religions and I would agree with that. There are a lot of religions and there's some truth and good in every one of them almost but that's not really tolerance to say that the claims of Christianity to be the way, the truth, and the life, the claims of Jesus to be the only way to heaven, 
That's not tolerance if you say that's not true. In fact, here's a statement. I'll put it up on the, the screen for you. Tolerance is not regarding all statements as equally valid. It is treating all positions with equal respect. That's tolerance. Two plus two is four. And I had a lot of math teachers very intolerant when I tried to say something different. They were very intolerant of that. Now, they respected the fact that I had not yet come to the understanding of what two plus two meant. That wasn't in high school, by the way. I'm talking about when I'm a little kid. Okay, I just want to clarify that. But they were intolerant to my erroneous thought that two plus two is not four. So tolerance is not regarding all statements as equally valid. It is treating all positions with equal respect. The sort of tolerance that pluralists espouse leads to a type of intolerance in that it fails to take truth claims seriously, which is blatantly disrespectful and thus is not tolerant at all. So if you don't believe the Christian faith that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, then you're not tolerant of Christianity. In fact, you're trying to destroy and change Christianity. Now, does that mean we shouldn't love each other and respect each other? Absolutely, we ought to love and respect each other. But I'm going to talk to you about why, for 2,000 plus years, the Christian faith has taught that there's one way to God the Father, and His name is Jesus. And I know this is politically incorrect to say, but it's biblically correct. I don't know if you've ever seen somebody on television being interviewed and they're asked the question by the interviewer if they're a Christian, if they're a pastor, or if they're a Christian politician. There are a few of those. And they're sometimes asked by the interviewer, do you really believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven? And sometimes, because they're, they're, they're feeling like they're being trapped or they just want to be politically correct, they kind of, kind of tiptoe around the answer. And I'm sitting there going, why don't somebody, they just should ask me to come on the program and ask me the question, and I'll be more than happy to give a very clear answer. And I don't have to talk long in order to get to the answer, because I would say to that person, in the end, it really doesn't matter what I believe. It really doesn't matter what you believe. If we're talking about Jesus Christ, why don't we figure out what he believes? Let's go back and see what Jesus said about that question, do all roads lead to heaven? And I think we have a very clear statement from Jesus in the 14th chapter of John. And that's what we're going to look at today, by the way. We're going to take our Bibles and turn to John chapter 14, verses 1 through 6. Because in that last verse we're going to read today, Jesus makes one of the most politically incorrect statements I can imagine. I mean, it just is. It's just politically incorrect. It's narrow. Uh, it's not broad. It's not pluralistic. It's very specific. And yet, it is the truth. And it answers the question, do all roads lead to heaven? Now, Jesus has just told his disciples prior to what we're about to read that he is going to die. Now, he's going to go to the cross, and he's going to die on the cross to pay the penalty for the sins of the world. We've all rebelled against God. We've lived imperfect lives. But God loved the world so much that he sent Jesus, God in flesh, to live a perfect life where none of us could and to die as the substitute for sinners so that God could punish sin and still forgive sinners and be righteous and holy. And so Jesus has said to his disciples, I'm going to die and I'm going to leave you. And it brought them fear and confusion. They were troubled. They didn't know how that would affect them after he is gone. And so in John chapter 14, uh, he calms them down 
by writing or by saying, and John writes it down, John 14, verse 1. He said, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. Now, if you're reading the King James Version or the New King James Version, you probably read, in my Father's house are many mansions. The Greek word means dwelling places. In that culture, it was not uncommon for a, a Jewish man to go and take a bride for himself. And after the wedding, he would come home to the father's house. And the father would add on an extension to his home. And if they had several children, often the father's home would originally just be a single dwelling. And then attached dwellings are added to it with a center courtyard. Beautiful villa. And that's the picture here that Jesus is painting of heaven Heaven is the Father's house, and there's plenty of room for all the children of God. It's a place ready and prepared by Jesus for you. So he says, in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am there you may be also. That doesn't just mean that when we die, we get to go to be with Jesus in heaven, which is true. But here, Jesus is referring to his second coming. We, we not only believe that Jesus came the first time to die for sinners and rise from the dead, Jesus promised he was going to come back a second time to this earth. And when he comes back the second time, he ends human history and brings us all together to be with him forever. That's what he's referring to here. Verse 4, he says, and you know the way. To where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? Now listen to this statement, verse 6. Here's how I would answer anyone who asked, do all roads lead to heaven? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. What a statement. Now, before you get up and walk out, you might want to know that if you did, you, you, you're not really walking out on me. You're walking out on Jesus. These are the words of Jesus. These are the words of that great, gentle, awesome, moral example that every religion on planet Earth has made room for somehow, some way in their religious system. Everybody loves Jesus. Everybody loves Jesus, and so they make room for Jesus in their lives. The world would be better if more people were like Jesus. Well, that same Jesus is the one who said definitively, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And good news is you don't need to know Greek to understand what he means here. You don't have to go to seminary, Bible college, to figure out what he's talking about here. It's pretty plain, right? I am the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No one gets to the Father in heaven except through me. That could really end the message, but I get paid by the word, so we're going to keep talking. Um, but I want you to notice something about his declaration. First of all, Jesus' declaration is personal. Notice he says, I am the way. It's personal. I am the way. Jesus does not point you to a religion. He does not point you to a church. He does not point you to a denomination. He does not point you to some religious system of do's and don'ts. He points you to himself. Christianity is not a religion. It is a relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And he says, 
I am the way, the truth, and the life. And think about this. For over 2,000 years, we have allowed Jesus to make a statement that we wouldn't have allowed anyone else to make. Could you imagine anyone tolerating a politician making such an egotistical statement? I am the state. Could you imagine any president saying or tweeting, I am America? We would say, I don't think so. Who do you think you are? You're just a servant. I mean, how could you make that kind of an egotistical statement? We would not allow religious leaders to make that statement. Buddha never said, I am the way. He pointed to an eightfold noble path that he claimed was the way to enlightenment. Muhammad never said, I am Islam. And yet Jesus, the founder of Christianity, comes and says unequivocally, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. Could you imagine if I stood here one Sunday and said, I, Ricky Powell, I myself am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I can tell you, even on Mother's Day, my mom wouldn't tolerate that. She would take me out back and straighten me out in a heartbeat. Who do you think you are? If you lost your mind, how could you dare say something like that? And yet Jesus makes no apologies when he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I myself am the way, the truth, and the life. But notice he also says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. His statement is not just personal. His statement is timeless. I am. He's not saying I used to be or I will be. He's saying I am and always will be the way, the truth, and the life. I am. That always reminds me. It's one of Jesus' I am statements that John records in the Gospel of John. Seven times Jesus makes statements. I am the bread of life. I am the resurrection and the life. And he says here, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And it reminds us of God's own name, God's personal name that he revealed to Moses in the book of Exodus. Remember, God says to Moses, go to Pharaoh, tell him, let my people go free from slavery. They've been slaves 400 years, no longer. Let my people go. And Moses says, who am I going to tell them sent me? These Egyptians have all their multitudes of gods. Who are you to them? And God says, you go and tell him, I am that I am. That's a weird way to call yourself, I am that I am. It was God's way of saying, you go tell Pharaoh, I am the self-existent, uncreated, eternal God. I am the one true living God. You go tell him that, I am that I am. I've always been here. I'll be here after you're gone, Pharaoh. And when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, he is making a timeless declaration. So many religious leaders have come and gone, and they've said, follow me. I know the way. Follow me. I've got all the answers. And yet they're dead and they're gone, and their philosophies and ideologies have often gone with them. But Jesus stands the test of time. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then he says, I am the way, the truth, 
and the life. It's not only a personal declaration and a timeless declaration, it is a definite, exclusive declaration. I am the way. Not one of many. I'm not even the best way. I am the way, the truth, the life. And in case you don't understand what I mean by this exclusive claim, let me just tell you, Jesus says, no one comes to the Father except through me. I am the way, the truth, the life. Now that's controversial in our day, but it's always been controversial. It's not just in this modern pluralistic society that people push back on this notion that Jesus is the only way to God the Father. Even in the first century, Christians put their lives on the line for the declaration that Jesus rose from the dead and that he is the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords. Just a few years after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, in around the A.D. 90s, Roman Emperor Domitian takes power. And while the Roman Empire had been flirting with the deification of their emperors, Domitian just flat out declares himself to be God, worthy of worship. He wouldn't receive mail unless you addressed it to him, Lord and God Domitian. It was a requirement by law in the A.D. 90s and so, that you as a Roman citizen once a year go into your civil magistrate's office or somewhere location where you stood before an image of the emperor and before a little brazen altar, you were to take a pinch of incense and you were to burn the incense before the image of Domitian and you were to declare publicly, Kaiser Curios, as you burnt the incense. It was your way of declaring Caesar is Lord. And Christians would go and put their lives on the line by refusing to confess, Kaiser Curios, Caesar is Lord. Instead, they declared, Christos Curios, Christ is Lord. And thousands of them lost their position in society. They lost their possessions. They were persecuted by their own empire, and many of them lost their lives. For one reason, they would not say Jesus is one of many. They would not say he's the best of a lot of other options. They would declare before all to hear Christ, and Christ alone is the Lord. He is the Lord of my life. He is the Lord of the universe, and it's not politically correct. It may cost me everything, but I can confess no other Lord and Savior than Jesus Christ. And where did they get this conviction? It is because this man who predicted his own death, burial, and resurrection actually pulled it off, and hundreds of them saw him alive from the grave, and it changed them forever. And they were not even afraid of death itself. When you've seen the man who conquered death, you're no longer afraid of death. And they stake their lives on the fact that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, the life, and the only way to the Father in heaven is through him. Maybe you're sitting here this morning saying, Ricky, I, I, I tried Christianity. I, I tried the Jesus thing. But it didn't work out for me. I'm glad it worked out for you, but it hasn't really 
panned out for me. Well, that may be your problem. You tried Jesus. You don't try Jesus like he's another option. Well, this didn't work. That didn't work. Let me try Jesus. No, you come to the conclusion. You don't try him. You trust him. You put your confidence in him as the way, the truth, and the life. And you stake your eternal destiny on him. You burn your bridges behind you. You burn your ships. And the only thing you've staked your life on is your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now what does he mean when he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life? What does he mean by saying, for example, I am the way? Well, he means without him, you're lost. He's the way. When Jesus spoke these words, Rome had built their roads, their system from one end of their empire to the other. When I was uh, in England a few weeks ago, my friend Jeff uh, said, if you're, if you're in our country and you see a road that is straight, just straight for miles, Romans, the Romans probably built it. <laughs> he said a lot of those roads they built when they conquered Britain are still in use today or you can still see today. And this whole idea that all roads lead to heaven comes from the idea in the statement from antiquity that all roads lead to Rome. Rome had connected their empire. And so Jesus is saying, I know there are a lot of highways and byways and pathways and roads for you to take, but to get to heaven, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And without me, you're lost. Years ago, I, before the days of GPS, I was invited to preach at this little country church in a different state. And I, I remember thinking I knew how to get there. And my philosophy is if I do not arrive early, I am late. Even if I arrive on time, I'm late. I, I want to be there early. I want to be able to relax. I don't want to have to worry. And I was running late. And in the days before GPS, you, young people, you know what we had to do? I, I had to go back to the... The, the nearest little town that I had come through and find a payphone. I don't know if you know what those are. <laughs> but I had to put a quarter in a payphone and I had to call home to Donna. And I said, Donna, I'm lost. I, I've got to get to this meeting. I don't know where I am. I know the road I'm on. I know this, the intersection I'm at. And she got out her old Rand McNally map, you know, a book of maps. And there she is. Where are you again? What's the name of the... And then she found out where I was on the map. And then she gave me directions to get to the church. I owe that woman a lot. Um, and I'll tell you what, I was desperate. And some of you don't see Jesus as the way because you're not desperate enough. You haven't felt your lostness enough. You think your good works are going to get you to heaven. You think being religious will get you to heaven. You think if you're just a good person and you pay your taxes on time, you don't murder people, you're better than the person next door, then you're going to make it to heaven one day. But you're going to wake up one day and realize that even on your best day, you're a person of failure. None of us live up to God's standards of right and wrong. We don't even live up to our own standards of right and wrong. I know better than I'm really willing to live. And if I'm putting my hope for heaven in me, I'll never have confidence that I'm going to make it because I can't make it through a single day without messing up in thought or in deed. Some of you have tried pleasure 
and you've tried all the, the fun that life has to offer and you discover it lets you down. May be great for a moment. The, the pleasures of sin may be fine for the moment, but ultimately you come down from the high. Ultimately the party ends. Ultimately the money runs out. Ultimately those fair weather friends abandon you and you're faced alone with a dissatisfaction in your heart that pleasure can't fill. Or you preoccupy yourself with vocation and education. But one of these days you're going to face a situation that's going to leave you at the end of yourself. And you're going to say, I have no way to turn. And it's in that moment that I pray you hear Jesus say, I'm the way. You've been looking in all these other ways for life and peace and satisfaction and forgiveness and confidence that heaven will be your home. I'm the way. What does he mean when he says, I am the way, the truth? Well, if he says, I'm the way, because he knows we're lost, he says, I am the truth, because he knows we're looking. We're looking for answers. And among other things, I think Jesus is telling us that when we look to him, we hear and we see the truth about God. That Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. It was the Apostle John who wrote this same book we're reading this morning, the Gospel of John, who was a personal follower of Jesus. He met Jesus. He lived with Jesus. He was a disciple of Jesus. He heard these teachings of Jesus. He saw these miracles of Jesus. He was there when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And years later when he wrote this gospel, he said, and we saw him full of grace and truth. And he revealed to us God. Jesus even once was so bold to say, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. So whenever you see Jesus living his life, you get a glimpse of what God is like. God is too glorious for us to see with the naked eye. Go out today, don't do this, but if you went out today and tried to look into the noonday sun with your naked eye, you couldn't do it. The glory of the sun would burn your retina and blind you. And the same is true of God. So Jesus came to show us what God's like. When you see Jesus taking little children into his arms to bless them, you get a glimpse of how God loves us all, wants to gather us to himself and bless us. When you see Jesus saying to a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery, I don't condemn you. Just go and sin no more. You see the heart of God a heart of grace and mercy and forgiveness. When you see Jesus washing the dirty feet of his own disciples as a servant, you see the heart of God, who though he is God, did everything by sending Jesus, not for himself, but for us, to serve us, to save us. And I think Jesus is also saying, when you look at me, you not only see the truth about God, you see the truth about humanity. Jesus lived a perfect life. And when we look at Jesus, we see unequivocally how the world would be a better place if everyone were more like Jesus. I mean, would you agree with that? I mean, if, if this world were more like people, like Jesus... In grace and love and mercy and forgiveness and standing up for righteousness even when he stands alone. This would be a better world. 
And when I look at Jesus, it shows me what God meant for me to be. That's the kind of person that Jesus, that, that the Father meant for me to be. But sin has messed up my life, and sin has messed up your life. And we fall short of the glory of God. We fall short of that standard we see in Jesus. But the good news is that when Jesus died for us on the cross, and when he rose from the dead on the third day, it was his way of saying, when you trust me, something mysterious is going to happen to you. God the Father is going to start making you more like me every day that you trust me. And it won't be perfect this side of heaven, but guess what? When I come back, you will be like me, for you will see me as I am. Heaven is going to be populated with people like Jesus. That's why it's going to be perfect. And Jesus says, I'm the way, I'm the truth. And he says, I am the life. I'm the life. I didn't check this morning, but I, I would think that the mortality rates have not changed. One out of one. I attended a funeral yesterday. Of one of our dear members, Pastor John Schultz conducted the funeral. Many of you were there. Thank you for being there for that grieving family. Earlier in the week, my own uncle had passed away. Went up to Georgia, went with my mom to that funeral home that I have conducted so many funerals in as a pastor. But this time when I sat down in the room, it was as a family member of the deceased. Signing papers and picking out urns and talking about all the details of a funeral. And I thought to myself, you know, this is a stark reminder that one of these days my family will be doing this for me. And it's good to know someone who said, I am the life. Don't be troubled. Trust me. And on the third day after Jesus had died, on a Friday, buried Saturday, on that third day, Sunday morning, he rose from the dead. Physically, victoriously, alive, in a body that would never die again. And he is the one who said, I am the resurrection and the life. John chapter 10. He's the one in that same chapter who said, If a person believes in me, though he dies, yet shall he live. The body may die, but to be absent from the body, present with the Lord. And that's why Jesus could say in John 10, Really, to believe in me and to die is really to not die at all, because you are still with me forever. And he's the same Lord who promised he will come back one day and give us brand new bodies that will never die. Never suffer. Never grow old. And how do we know this? Because he is the way. He is the truth. And he is the life. And we say, we respect other religions. And I have so many friends who are the atheists. I have many friends who are agnostics. I have many friends who are of other faiths and religions or no religion at all, but they're very spiritual people indeed, and I respect them. 
And I love them. But I love them so much, I want them to hear not what I say about it, not my opinion. I want them to hear what Jesus said when he said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And I want to point them to Jesus. It was C.S. Lewis, that brilliant mind of medieval literature and English history, who was an agnostic. He didn't believe the claims of Christianity. He didn't believe in the resurrection. Certainly didn't believe in the deity of Jesus. And yet he trained and he turned that brilliant mind towards studying the words of Jesus and the works of Jesus revealed in the Gospels. And he came to the conclusion Jesus has to be one of three things. He's either a liar, a lunatic, or he's the Lord. So he started looking at Jesus and he said, maybe he's a liar. And yet everything he could find in Jesus pointed to the fact that he never lied. He never shaded the truth. He never kind of told white lies to keep himself out of trouble. He always said the truth no matter what. Whether you liked it or you didn't, he spoke the truth. And even his own enemies who crucified him had to confess, we can find no deceit in this man. Said, man, he's not a liar. But he'd have to be a liar if he went around claiming to be God in flesh, God in a bod. And he wasn't. And he knew he wasn't. Well, then if you say that and you're not and you know you're not, you're a liar. If you say to people, I'm the only way to heaven, you trust in me, and he knew that wasn't true, then he's a liar. But maybe he wasn't a liar. Maybe he said those things and he really believed those things, but they weren't true. He was not God in a bod. He was not the pivotal person for our eternal destiny. He's not the only way to the Father in heaven. He thought he was. He's a lunatic. Only crazy people go around saying, I'm God. Worship me. I'm God. I, you see the whole universe? I created that. I made that. He's a lunatic. C.S. Lewis said he's about on par with a man who calls himself a poached egg. I'm a poached egg. Okay, I'm not going to believe anything else you say. We, we're going to put you over here. Just put you in this room and we're going to feed you and take care of you. But nobody's going to follow you if you think you're a poached egg. He says, but when he looked at Jesus, he couldn't find any more sane, centered human being than he found in Jesus. He says, there's no way this man was a lunatic. That led him to the final conclusion, he must be Lord. And C.S. Lewis came to faith in Jesus Christ as his Lord and his Savior. Maybe you're more familiar with Lewis from his writings, the Screwtape Letters, or the book Mere Christianity, or the Chronicles of Narnia, which, by the way, as you watch it, is nothing other than the Christian worldview portrayed in drama. There is good that was created. Evil corrupts it. A savior comes and sacrifices himself. And through his redemption, many follow him. And ultimately, a new world that will never end is ushered in. It was his way of saying, Jesus is neither a liar nor a lunatic. He is the Lord of lords. He is the king of kings. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. And so my question to you is, has there ever been a moment you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ? 
as the way for you, the truth for you, the life for you, as the only confidence you have that when you die, you will get to spend eternity with God in heaven. If you've never made that commitment, why would you put that off? Why would you delay that another day? Simply by faith, trusting in Jesus, you can be right with God. When you came in today, you all sat down on those chairs. Not a single one of you flipped that chair over to check the welds to make sure they were strong. None of you asked who made this. I want to make sure this is made so it will hold me up. You don't know where those chairs came from. You don't know how much we paid for them. You don't know anything about the manufacturing process. But you knew it was designed to do what it does. And you just trusted it. And I know that you may have a million questions about God and the Bible and this and that. And those are legitimate. And often those answers come. Sometimes they won't come this side of heaven. But one thing you can know today. Jesus came to save sinners. And you and I are sinners and he proved his love for us by dying for us on a cross. And he rose from the dead on the third day. And he says in John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish in their sin but have the gift of eternal life. I usually stop there, but Jesus went on in John chapter 3, verse 17 and 18. He says, For God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through the son might be saved. He who believes in the name of the only begotten Son of God is not condemned. Hallelujah. You just put your trust in God, your sins no longer condemn you. You're forgiven. You're free. You've got life and life eternally. But Jesus says, but whoever does not believe in the Son of God is condemned already. Because he's not believed in Jesus. Friend, right now, Without Jesus, you're lost, you're condemned, you're separated from God. But with Jesus, with just putting your confidence in him, just like that, your sins are forgiven, you're given the gift of eternal life, and you can know that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and that heaven is your home when you die. Maybe in the stillness of this moment, you'll pray to receive Christ as your Savior. And as soon as this service is over, why don't you tell somebody that, came, that you came with, hey, today I trusted Jesus as Savior. He was not ashamed to die for you publicly on a cross. Why would you be ashamed to tell someone you just put your confidence in him, not yourself, not religion, but in Jesus? Maybe you'll go to the next step area at the back of our auditorium, just tell one of our guest services, today I committed my life to Christ. You say, why would I want to do that? Because it, it brings such joy to us. To hear that you've made that next step in your spiritual journey with God. And we just want to be available as a church if you need us in any way to learn more about him, to grow. And even to go public with your faith in Jesus, we're here to help you. Maybe you'll, instead of going to the back, maybe you'll just go to fcbc.life and just put on the Let's Connect card your name and just put down the comment section, I committed my life to Jesus. They'll send that to me so I can rejoice with you and celebrate what God is doing in your life. For others of you, you've already made that commitment. I want you to leave today with the confidence Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, in the stillness of this moment, we thank you for the reminder today from the lips of Jesus himself that he is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. And for those of us who have rested in him, we thank you for that freedom we could never earn our way to heaven. We could never be good enough. We could never be perfect. But as a free gift, 
we have received his love, his forgiveness, his eternal life. And he took our death and he took our punishment when he died for us on the cross. God, we thank you for Jesus. And we thank you for the confidence that we have that when we go to heaven, it won't be because we earned it or we deserved it or we were religious. It'll be because we trusted Jesus. Father, there could be someone in this room today, maybe a mom who's never trusted Jesus as her personal Lord and Savior. Maybe a young person, maybe a husband, a dad, maybe a single adult, but today they want to receive Jesus. I thank you that in the stillness of this moment and the quietness of their heart, all they have to do is put their confidence in Jesus. With your heads bowed, your eyes closed, maybe today you'll say something to him like this silently in your heart. Dear God, I admit to you I'm a sinner, but I thank you for loving me anyway. And you proved it by sending Jesus, your son, into the world. He lived a perfect life. And he died as my sacrifice on the cross. He took my place. He took my punishment. And he died. And I believe he rose from the dead physically. And today I know he's alive. He can hear me when I pray. And so Jesus, I believe in you today. I put my confidence, my trust in you. I trust you to do what you came to do. Save sinners. Save me, Jesus, from the penalty of my sin. And today, by faith, I receive you into my life, and I receive the gift of eternal life. Help me now to learn more about you. Help me not to be ashamed of you. Help me to grow in my understanding of how you want me to live more like you. And I'll praise you, Jesus. I'll thank you for the rest of my life. Dear God, thank you for every heart today and every decision being made today. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.